Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today's episode is dedicated to Rodney Johnson and Kurt Hayashi, both taken from us way too soon. May you both rest in peace. Right outside the Minna Street Gallery in San Francisco, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today on the show, I have Michael Sieben. Michael grew up and has remained a Texan true and true. He's a longtime skateboarder and artist who co-owns a brand called Roger Skate Co., which is based out of Austin, Texas. He produced a show for Volcom called The Internet Shack, and is currently the managing editor at Thrasher. I, I mean, I love writing, and like to have the opportunity to to write about skateboarding for Thrasher. It's like that's you know, that it's not lost on me that that's a huge like honor. Also, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, we are just. 10, 11 episodes away from the big episode 69. And I ran into Rob Welsh last night, and as he was backpedaling, I told him, you're on blast, bro. You're still going to be episode 69. So we are all looking forward to that. And uh, without further ado... This is Michael Sieben, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cause time, isn't it? Oh, big dog's in. Schmitty. 96 times Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. John, Schmitty. Talking Schmitty. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. <laughs> you shit my pants, man. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. I don't give a fuck about your fucking multi-million dollar numbers. Who is this guy who thinks he's tough shit? What's up? Austin, Texas, where are you at? No comply skate shop. Do you hear me? In the house, we got him, Michael Steven. Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, I think you might be the first, uh, first, what would I call that? My co-employee or? Co-worker? Co-worker, yeah. Yeah. I think you might be my first co-worker. All right. Welcome. Hope I don't get fired. Well, I hope I don't get fired. (laughs) Are you excited? I'm nervous are more than nervous? excited. Are you nervous for the show or are you nervous for the Sodi party tonight? Uh, no Sodi party. I can kind of just fly on the wall uh-huh. there. Um, I'm honored to be on the show, but ah. nervous to be speaking into a microphone. Yeah, it all in a, in a couple of sips of coffee, you'll be diving towards it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with like some background, early day history. You were, were you born and raised in Texas? Born in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh. And, uh, but moved to Texas right after my sixth birthday. Uh-huh. So started first grade in Texas and have been there pretty much ever since. What city was that? Seguin, Texas. Seguin. Where is that? It's about an hour south of Austin. Okay. Pretty close to San Antonio. And that's where you went to school and stuff? Yeah. I lived there from six till, uh, like 
19. Was there a skate shop there? For a couple years in the 80s, a shop called Raz, R-A-Z-Z. Is that where you got your first board? No, I got my first board in New Braunfels at a shop called Dex. Dex? Yeah. Had to put it on layaway. What would you go with? Rob Roskop Street. Ooh. Face. Yeah. Yeah, I got a summer job mowing lawns. I took over my buddy's uh, lawn mowing gig so I could save up money and got a full complete. Right. And, uh, yeah. And what do you remember, like, kind of your experience in the early days, like, the vibe and, like, what kind of things were you were doing, like, right out, out of the get-go, like, straight to stand up down hills or, like, fucking around with curb cuts? or I, like, I, I remember I was super into BMX, but just had a shitty Huffy, never had a good bike. Mm. But uh, my friends and I, we were building quarter pipes and bank ramps and trying to fucking do some Diz Hicks moves. And, uh, and I was really small. All my friends were bigger than I was, so they could navigate the bmx bike better you know they could bunny hop higher and yeah. catch more air on quarter pipes and i remember going over to a kid's house lived in the neighborhood and he had a smaller quarter pipe and he had a nash just laying there and my friends were trying to ride the quarter pipe on their bikes and uh i just remember grabbing the board and like could kind of I, I think i i had a plastic skateboard so i'd ridden a skateboard before but i just remember doing kick turns on the shitty little quarter pipe and literally after that day i was like Dude, I'm going to skate. I'm not going to ride bikes anymore. Uh-huh. And I had a plastic board at my house. And I remember going to a hardware store and getting, like, grip tape for stairs. You know, just, like, essentially grip tape, but from a hardware store. And putting it on the plastic board and riding that thing until uh, I got a Nash Executioner, I think, for Christmas that year. Okay. And that was, like, my first wide board. Sick. And what year was that about? Do you know? Probably like 80, 86, okay. right around there. Do you remember like getting the mag at all early days? Yeah. Like, yeah. did you get the mag right away or did you kind of learn skating more and then get the mag? Yeah, I think I was skating and then uh, I think the first magazine I saw was a Trans World, like an 86 Trans World at a bookstore with Dan Wilkes on the cover. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that was the first skateboard magazine I saw, but r- like very quickly after that, got a subscription to Thrasher. And I don't, I think I found Thrasher at a skate shop. Oh. But I was definitely, it was more like, Oh, there's like punk rock and yeah, it seemed it, that seemed lifestyle. more like my culture. I was like, oh, this is like uh-huh. not the clean cut version that was uh, more art. Puss, I mean, seeing pusshead stuff, I was like, dude, this is. I need this. Yeah, I need this. What were you kind of like as a kid? Were you listening to music and stuff like what? What was your vibes with the music and? Yeah, listen. I mean, listening to it was pretty limited as far as what we could get in Seguin, Texas. We had a, a Hastings. But they could special order stuff, so I think it was, uh, I mean, we're listening to, like, Descendants, Dead Milkman, Oingo Boingo, uh-huh. um, some New Wave stuff, but, uh, yeah, and then once I got Thrasher, it was like, that's how I was learning about bands, was reading the Zounds, Tales and then going to, going to Hastings and lo- flipping through their catalog to see what they could order from their distributor, so though, it wasn't stuff they would normally carry, but they could, you could get tapes through there, which was pretty rad was the guy like how the hell do you know about this yeah i was like i need i need circle jerks I need dead <laughs> kennedys like well, we'll see if we can get it um who were like the early influences on you like who did you have on your wall or who were you looking at in the mag going i need more of that guy not us not was Gons. your guy i mean we had no there were no ramps around us so uh-huh. all the, the vert stuff which is super prevalent you know uh or we didn't have any ramps so it's like mm. not that i didn't think that looked cool but I couldn't, you couldn't know, relate. Couldn't emulate it. Couldn't try it. So uh, yeah, it was just it was the street guys for sure. Tommy, 
Gons Nadas. Yeah, I think. And the, then, I mean, and then very quickly, obviously, like that's late '80s. So then it's like very quickly there was no vert skating. You know, then it was just yep. moving into for sure. Hensley was mm-hmm. like you know heavy H Street videos and yeah. rotation. Dude, I was talking around Alan about that. Like when they came out with the, it was probably uh, Hocus Pocus, I think. Um, when he does the no comply and the board kickflips, uh-huh. basically. Like we at that time, we were like, "This isn't real. This is fake movie magic." Yeah, it was like, "What are these guys doing?" Yeah, and how secretive they could keep their whole part. Like you didn't know what was about to hit you, uh-huh. and and that feeling of just like. This is such a next level from what the last thing we saw was. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, that- I think I mean we'd seen again. We didn't have many. There, we didn't probably late eighties didn't even have a shop at that point. So driving to San Antonio to even see videos, but um, had seen you know Animal Chin, or we had a couple mm-hmm. Santa Cruz videos, and then I went to a premiere of Hocus Pocus in San Antonio at a theater, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, we were you- still doing bonelesses, you know, and just yeah. like shit like that and then we went and saw hocus pocus and it was like oh man we are so far behind where street skating actually is right was there some sense of like did you have any connection to like the texas pride like the the craig johnson jeff phillips and like you know um fuck everybody else thing that was going on yeah i think we kind of we were so isolated where we were Uh um that kind of resonated way later. Later. Because, I mean, we, again, we didn't skate vert, so it's like... Right. I knew who all those dudes were just from magazines, but it's uh-huh. like I didn't have... No one was taking me to Dallas. You know, I wasn't like... I wasn't going to the skate park at Houston regularly, so I wasn't even around any of that. So it was more like... More just our crew of dudes, you know, like street skating and scene. And then as I got older, I like learned the appreciation for those... How badass those dudes were. Uh-huh. So were you kind of craving California? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I mean it's it's uh, like seeing Nottis on the on the beach skating those curves. Totally, and, yeah. Whoa! And, just, and I mean, I think like any kid anywhere, it's like trying to find your version of that where you live, you know. So we had curbs, so it's like we could we could emulate what we were seeing. We didn't have palm trees, but we had curbs. Everybody's got curbs. Uh, at that time, were you already kind of getting into art? For sure, yeah. I was. I mean, I've been drawing since I was a kid, uh-huh. like not uh, nonstop since I was little. I Man, I started skateboarding when I was about twelve. I was already into into art. It was like drawing, kind of more children's book type of stuff. I'd say like Shel Silverstein, Dr. Seuss influence. Oh, okay. And then yeah, once I, you know, got Thrasher, saw Pusshead stuff, started going to skate shops and seeing Jim Phillips, VCJ. I was like, oh, th- like that's what I want to do. Huh. But like real going into a shop and seeing all those graphics and realizing like man they're like there are people who get paid to do this yeah that seems pretty cool what was the beginning like how did what was your first step into the skate world art wise like did you have a board graphic did you have some sketch for the mag or like it was i mean early on it was just making my own zines so it's like yeah no one was paying me to do anything so it's like when i was in college teamed up with a good friend of mine lee brooks who's a photographer and he was just shooting he was documenting our scene like he was shooting austin skateboarding and it was like dude we got to do something with these photos like let's make a zine let's uh, let's start putting these things out and sure. uh so yeah it, it's uh we came up with a a zine called keg party and we did 10 issues of that but it was he was he was shooting the photos and then i was like interviewing people and writing articles and 
it was all just kind of bullshit you know like it uh-huh. was it was a humor zine for sure but okay. it uh kind of like gave some direction to what we were all doing it was like oh we're like we're going skating today like let's uh let's shoot some stuff for the zine you know uh-huh so uh-huh. yeah we were like literally like going on mini trips you know we're like let's skate 10 ditches in one day for the zine you know like just like making up little missions and making up little articles and stuff was there um zine things in the mag like did you ever submit one to thrasher i don't think i did okay i I mean i think i i knew that existed but it was more thinking back on it i don't think i intentionally had an end goal for it it wasn't like oh if i do this i can do this you know it was more just like i've got time and i don't want to watch tv like let's let's make some shit yeah Okay, so then did somebody see one of those? and? Yeah, so, I mean, the timeline of that was we made Keg Party, made 10 issues of it. My friend Lee, as, you know, you get older, you have less time to do stuff. So he had, he had kind of, like, slowed down on the photography. And I still wanted to make zines, but I didn't, I wasn't a photographer. So I started making a zine called Program from India, which was, uh, mo- I was mostly making it at work. I had a desk job, and I was just, like, had a lot of free time but i was just stealing photos off the internet uh-huh. and uh just it was like definitely more it it was a skate zine in that it talked about skateboarding but there's almost no skateboarding in it if that makes any sense so yeah. i was just stealing photos off the internet and just really got into writing at that point it was just writing little one page like just absurdist humor uh-huh. type articles um but the, so the timeline for that we had a whole backlog of keg party zines made the zine called program from india and uh i don't even know what year this is early 2000s and fugazi was playing in austin and i can trace like literally i can trace this back to a moment where fugazi was playing in austin a friend of mine carrie jackson hit me up and we i had tickets to go see the show and he was like dude you should totally bring some zines to that show because ed templeton is following fugazi and he's going to be there you should give ed some zines and at the time i was like I, there's no way I can do that. Like that's so self-promotional. Right. Like it felt so bad. I was like, dude, I, I, that makes me feel so uncomfortable. And he kind of talked me through it. He was like, he collects zines. He's a skateboarder. Like he's on a road trip. What, like, it'd be really cool. Like, don't even think, think about it as just like giving him some shit to read while he's driving around. So I was like, all right, I'll, you know, and I made, I'd made some copies and, uh, after the show, there was like a line of people who wanted to meet Ed, you know, and everyone's talking to him and very sheepishly. I was like, I don't want to bug you. Like, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I make skate zines. I know you collect zines. So like, here's some zines. And he was super appreciative. He was like, this is so rad. Thank you so much. Like, I'll check these out. Rad. And then we'll have to check with burnout on this. But I think what happened was (laughs) he got back to Huntington Beach and I think literally Mike came to his house and he was like, hey, Burnett, you should check these out and uh and gave him the zines and that was mike's introduction to what i was doing in texas and shortly thereafter i i started getting mail from mike pseudo submissions to my zine like he sent me photos of like tom penny with with like a note like hey i heard uh, you pay a six pack for a cover of a <laughs> program from india just trying to trying to get in there and uh burn dog yeah and just and i i had no idea how he got my address i didn't know it, I was just getting mail from Michael Burnett at Thrasher, and I was like, "What? Like, how did this even happen?" You know, and so we, then we started corresponding. And through, that's mid '90s or late '90s? I think early 2000s. Oh, okay. And I mean, he invited me to do a couple couple illustration jobs for the mag, and uh, he came out to Texas on a trip with a bunch of Australians, and we, you know, met in person and skated and hung out, and uh, 
shortly after that trip, I, I can I remember sitting in my car, picking my wife up for, from work. I was in a parking garage, got a call from Mike, and he's like, what, what do you think about working for the MAG? Like, what do you think about being a contributor? We'll put you on retainer, 500 bucks a month. I was like, so down. You Score. know, I was like, I got like, now I have a, a place where I'm already doing the, I'm already doing this thing, but now I can, it gets out there. You know, it's like, yeah, w- what, way more eyes than just me at Kinko's, you know, handing zines out to my friends. Exactly. Wow. That's amazing. So that was your, you had some stuff in the mag before you did any board graphics. Uh, yeah, totally. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I was in, I mean, at the time I had a, a t-shirt company, like my, my, like our little homie crew, this uh, little company called Lil Elephant. It, yeah. was, it was more of just like a crew of dudes than even like a, you know, we weren't selling shit anywhere. It was more like screen printing t-shirts in the backyard. But um, my buddy Lance Norman and I started that. And so we do designs and we were actively, we had these fake little companies, you know, but it's like, we weren't really doing it on any level. A, a friend of mine, Stepan Boban, had a board brand called Southern Star. Uh-huh. And I was doing board graphics for him just for like, a board or two, you know, I'm not getting paid to do this stuff, but it was like cutting my teeth, learning, you know, learning the process. Like, well, how do you get a graphic on a board? Like, I want to feel like, I want to know how it actually works, you know, and we're screening t-shirts and making stickers and, yeah. and just had our own little, like little, uh, microcosm in Austin. DIY mentality. Totally. So what year was it that you moved to Austin? 96. 96. And then this all kind of happened 2000, 2002. Yeah, I graduated and from UT in, in 99, and that was the year that we started making the zine. And, and I'd been making t-shirts for years, but like probably starting in Seguin. So like early 90s was probably already making t-shirts and and uh, like, make, I mean, starting with like Sharpie t-shirts, you know, I was like, I want to wear my own shit. I don't want to. Yeah. Like I'm kind of tired of buying stuff from people. I want to make my own stuff. Was that moment that you got your first printed in your first print in the mag was that like a big moment for you like can you name the cover and like or, I, do honest, you remember it no there was like a couple little little things like i remember i'd have to go back and look like i remember burnett hit me up to do a portrait of brian herman for an interview of his and like drawing brian herman and some like cactuses and stuff and huh. uh fully tripping out so it's so but prior to that um i had a couple a couple like little one page things in big brother, like on the tail end of that publication. And uh-huh. that was a good friend of mine, Roger Seliner, who's a oh, tattoo. Yeah. Do you know Roger? Yeah, for sure. Who he, that's who Roger skateboards is named after. Oh, Roger Seliner. Boom. Who Stacy Lowry and I are both friends with. And it was, a uh, when we named the brand, it was like, let's name it. Like we're naming a kid. Like let's, let's like birth this company. And we landed on Roger. It was like, Dude, that's the most inspirational guy I know. Okay. But anyway, so Roger, I'd been sending Roger zines because he was just a friend of mine, but I think he handed zines over to Dave Carney. Similar situation where David hit me up and was like, do you want to write a couple little like, almost like uh, sidebars in yeah. Big Brother? So I'd had a couple things published in Big Brother, maybe two or three. And then uh, I hadn't heard from Dave in a long time. When Mike hit me up, it was kind of a, a no-brainer to jump ship. Sick. <laughs> Wow, and then you started kind of doing pretty much a monthly, right? Yeah, yeah. Jump whenever I actually got the uh, got the staff position, then it was like, okay, cool. Well, you got a you got a page in the mag every month, so and send your page in, whatever like whatever it is. There's that's like there's no real formula. It's just like write something cool and maybe draw some stuff around it, totally. and, and there's no like it's got to be in this vein. It's just yeah, like, it like come up with some shit. Totally. That's pretty cool. Which As an artist, like, and having that creativity. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And wow. that, I mean, we, I did, I don't even know how many years it was like every month. And definitely, I mean, not that I still don't contribute to like, I have a one pager sporadically, but it's like right. year after year, it definitely got to the point where I was like, fuck man, I've used up all my good jokes, you yeah. know? And, and it's, it was also, I was younger at the time, but so much of that was just talking shit, right. you know, like year after year, which also like started to wear on me. Cause <laughs> I, I think when you're younger, it's, it's like. I was very, very opinionated. So sure. I would look at skateboarding and be like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't, I'm going to talk. You know, it was like, I just wanted to talk shit about all the things I didn't like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're older men. Yeah. As I got older, it was more like, I fucking like all of it. Like, I, whether I identify with it or, I'm, like, want to do it, like, I just, I enjoy that people, that not everyone wants to do it the way I do it. Yeah. You know? and, like, it became harder to... It's like, I think my voice had been so like, I don't know, like snarky, uh, but it was like, I don't, I don't think people wanted to read me, read my words and me just being like fucking peace and love. I right. love it. All. You know? And it's yeah. like, it became harder to think of like what to write about. Cause I wasn't so opinionated. It was more like became more accepting. Yeah. In my, in you my just got to find the right twist. Yeah. But totally. then with today's climate, that gets tricky too, right? Like be, yeah. offending some people that before it wasn't offensive it was more tongue-in-cheek but sure, now sure. it's like that tongue-in-cheek is not tongue-in-cheek that's offensive yeah i mean like the howard stern even like he i think through therapy too but like his shit got tamer and stuff because possibly because of that stuff as well it's, it's interesting when you're when you're young you just get wiser as you get older that's true too. so you yeah. look at things like you're like that's kind of cool that that guy's doing it that way. Not fuck that guy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, even with like, I know uh, skateboarding just, it's never going to be stagnant. It's always going to change, you know, but it's more like embracing that change. Like, I don't, I don't want it to only be my thing, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really boring if it's like, if every, you know, fucking everyone's doing it the same way. It's like, where's, there? it's not interesting. Things like the Olympics, do I care about it? No, but... Right. That's a thing. I don't yeah. know. Like, good for those dudes. Yeah. I always think about, I, I went to Jeff Phillips Skate Park for the first time in like 1992. So, you know, huge pants, little wheels. We're barely moving across the street course. And I remember there, I don't know who the guys were, but there were some vert skaters up on the vert ramp, which just like towered over the street course. And the dudes are up there with their like cut off sleeve vert shirts, you know, huge pads. They look like gladiators up on the ramp. And I just remember them look just looking at us like, what the fuck is this? You know, we're barely rolling and they're doing like 10 foot backside lip slides. And, you know, it's like they're doing on the vert ramp what we're trying to do on the street course. But I just remember this generation thing where we're looking up at them just like, look at these goons. And I'm sure they were thinking the same thing, you know, just like these fucking kooks. They're barely skateboarding. And as I get older and I, I see skating change, I just think like, I don't want to be the dude on the vert ramp who's condemning the kids like i just i'm fucking stoked on the change it's like sure. i want to I'm, I'm excited to see the evolution and like whether that's you know de-evolution or if it's like pat duffy did that on a you know the trick you're doing pat duffy did oh, 15 years ago in the yeah. rain you're doing it on a curb <laughs> and you want people to clap but it's like right who cares yeah. it's like whatever you know it's whoever's skating it's what it is to them at that yeah. time young or old so. sure you mentioned stacy lowry like what's the relationship there he's from texas too he he grew up in spring and i met him so bad with dates but he had reached out to me he had an opportunity to start a board brand through giant distribution 
and that's how Bueno started. But I think he'd met with the met with some guys who had just recently bought Giant, and at the time that was Stereo and Pop War. I don't know what else was in there. I think Black Label had been in there, but they mm-hmm. had just left. But um, he met with them, and he was like, "I'd love to do a board brand, but I want to get this dude in Texas to do the graphics. And if I can get him, I think we can put this thing together." So he reached out to me and was like, "Do you want to be the art director for a skateboard brand?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, dude, at, that's." that's the goal. Like I would love to do that. Um, so I met him through doing Bueno, which was that, co- that company was barely around two years, but it's really, I feel like it, people still bring it up to me uh-huh. for whatever reason. It was like such a, such a like blip as far as like things I've done. Yeah. But it, for whatever reason, it seemed like it really resonated with people. And we, we only got, we got paid for one year of doing the brand. Uh-huh. And then we tried to keep it together for like another year without getting paid and then giant would bankrupt and the whole thing just fizzled from there obviously just done. was so bueno was like your first uh company that you did totally yeah okay yeah and i'd done some freelance stuff i think i'd done a for sure done a board for powell um oh. might have done i think i did some stuff for toy machine before bueno do you remember your first board graphic yeah it was a powell board who was it for it was just a it was a one-off graphic uh a buddy of mine who still works at powell uh CJ Covarubius, uh, we had uh, we'd been joking. There were all these parks popping up in Southern California where you had to wear full pads. Yeah, and we had this ongoing joke about like you should just wear full pads everywhere, like <laughs> every activity, like tennis, yeah, golf, like everyone should just wear. So it's just the dumbest graphic. It says full pads, full time, and it's a guy taking a dump wearing full pads, nice. and that was my first introduction do you still got that board absolutely yeah nice it's really it's really bad i remember i was using an animation program called flash oh yeah i know i I used flash to like swifts yeah but that was that was my vector program but it's like real like it's just bad it's a really i love it though because it's you know it holds a special place but it's just it's not a good drawing but at that time was it like winning the world series like was it a huge accomplishment for you or were you for sure yeah, yeah yeah okay i mean i was yeah, I couldn't even believe it. it yeah. Like, and I mean, at that time, Powell was not the brand it had once been, but I had, I mean, I grew up on the Bones Brigade. So like, you know, in my head, I'm like, sure. it didn't even say Peralta on it. It just said Powell. But it was still, it was like, dude, I, I did a board for Powell. <laughs> like, Sick. can't believe that happened. Yeah, that's, I mean, fuck. Those are like, growing up, it was the Bones Brigade. Those were the first dudes. Like, yeah. My first board was Mike McGill. Because I went to the store with three friends and we all got PAL boards, but we weren't going to get the same board. Sure, sure. Who were your dudes at that time in the art world? Were you noticing other skate artists or just artists in general that were like, kind of like, oh, that guy's rad or helping maybe mold what you were doing or just that you liked it in general? Yeah. Uh, Todd Bratchard, Jeremy Fish. Travis Miller back then back then yeah I mean I sure for sure Jeremy was like he was at think he was at think he'd already had a canvas and thrasher right uh the big stupid and yeah and I mean he was fully on my radar like he was okay I mean to this day is like one of my art heroes rad and And, but you hadn't met him yet no no okay but I mean there yeah it seemed like Mark McKee Sean Clot for sure those two dudes like because it definitely came up like through that world era in the early 90s so like those guys were kind of like the kings as far as i was concerned which is funny because it i mean it went from phillips and vcj and pushead and then those guys just flipped it you know and it was like thinking back then i thought like oh vcj and pushead like these guys are not cool you know being a sure. teenager early 20s just like yeah that's not cool like 
Cliver McKee, like that's that's the, the new shit. And they were kind of poking fun at those, you know, like just the changing of the guard, you know. Yeah. And then it's like you get older, and it's like no, it's like it's all cool, like all <laughs> it's you know what they did's awesome, but it's some of what they did couldn't have been done if it hadn't, you know, if like it wasn't for the work of those guys. Absolutely. Let's take a quick time out, hear from some of our peeps, and we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Public service announcement number three. If in the Sacto area, please stop by and support your local skate shops, a.k.a. S La Boom, aka PLA, aka Dog Pound Posse. And if you can, support by getting a pizza. It's going to be funny when I go and get a Mike Polizzi pizza next time I'm in Sacto. It's probably going to be at PLA. They're all wearing hoodies. Shout out to the dupe, Blunt Slide to Fakie at the jerseys. Good steez. I heard you switch Big Flip that gap too with your eyes closed. 10-4, kids. You fucking rip. Thanks for giving me props. Right back at you, Onion. You fucking rip. You. F- Has your stuff ever been, like, used without your consent? Have you ever, like, noticed, like, wait, that's my shit. What the fuck? Um, or somebody's ripped off your, st- like, replicated your thing in a in their own way, but it was like, dude, that, what are you doing? There's a, if you uh, get on your computer and just type in uh, Sean White, Michael Sieben vice you can pull up an article oh. that i wrote oh really it has some side-by-side comparisons of artwork that to me seemed uh eerily familiar to uh-huh. what i was doing for, for a line of clothing that was in target no way did you try to go after him or uh no i consulted a few uh intellectual property rights attorneys who i learned a lot through the process it's not illegal to copy someone's style uh, okay. you can't copy someone's design but it's it's fair game to do something in the in the style of someone else. That's so interesting. Which uh, probably, I we're, mean... We're learning that with music right now. I mean, you can totally have a band that sounds like a band. Yeah. That's not illegal. You, uh, probably a year after that article came out, I got an email from an artist who worked for Sean White's clothing company. And in the email, I'd, this is what, in his words, he said that uh, they were they were given handouts of my art and told to make work that looked like it. So, wow, un- unethical, but not illegal. Jesus Christ. At least get some bagel bites or something. Right. Here, you know, right. whatever is goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then how did Mike Aho, Aho? Aho. Aho. Yep. Mike Aho, Internet Shack. Uh-huh. I think I could be wrong, but around that time is probably when I met you. Yeah. It was actually the Adidas campaign. I'm almost positive you were in SF yep. filming those kind of stuff animal guys i think that was the first time i came actually came to the magazine okay like came up here and met everyone so was that all kind of at the same time or am i getting that wrong the adidas and the internet yeah internet check was shortly thereafter and that that adidas thing was the first like video piece i'd ever worked on other than just making skate videos with my friends right but um yeah they wanted to do a whole scripted 
piece with uh, kind of live action characters based on my art. So they had, I mean, they had a costume designer come in and make costumes and they wrote a whole script for it. And I, mean, I don't know what that commercial cost, but it was insane. And we, we rented a hot air balloon. We, uh, was it, is it Lombard Street? The oh, zigzag did. street? We yeah. permitted that and like rode down that thing on a tandem bike. And uh, it was, I mean, it was insane. That was like... I don't know if that was the peak of my career, but no one's spent that much money on me since then. You could still find that on uh, YouTube? I think it's out there somewhere. I feel like, I, I don't know if they didn't have the music license. I feel like oh, it may not even be been. up there. I feel like I looked for it once and it, huh. was, it has disappeared into the ethos. But I think it was called Seben and Friends. Yeah, it was. So yeah. if you look it up. Damn, um, that was cool. I remember that. So then short, shortly thereafter, I've, j- I've just done a lot of stuff for Volcom over the years. My good friend Mike Ajo is currently the global creative director, but he's worked there for, I don't know, 15 years. And he started working at Volcom at the same time I got the Thrasher job. And I think my name came up in a meeting where they were like, it'd be cool to like do some art with uh, Michael Sieben at Thrasher. And my buddy Mike was like, dude, that's my good friend. Like We, we used to skate together all the time when I lived in Texas. He's like, I'll just call him. Um, so very early on, I started doing designs for Volcom, mm. and that relationship has continued since then. It's like uh, currently I curate an art space in Austin that Volcom, it's like a Volcom store, and they have okay. an art gallery there. But um, but I think after the Adidas thing came out, shortly after that, they were like, hey, would you want to work on a video series for Volcom, And which sounded just so terrifying. For but sure. I was like... I try if things seem terrifying, I try to do them, you know, just to be like put myself in an un- like doing this podcast <laughs> seemed terrifying. So it's like, yeah, we got to do that. <laughs> um, so initially, it was I didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I had the idea. I was like, May, it'll it's going to be me, I guess, just doing it by myself. I don't even know how to edit stuff, but I'll figure it out. And I was like, I'll get a tripod, and I'm just going to like it's going to be this thing called the Internet Shack, where it's just me in a shack losing my mind basically and right right at that same time as i was trying i was like making sketches and trying to figure it out mike ajo moved back to austin from costa mesa and he was like why don't we just make the show together and he's a videographer and so i was like that sounds way cooler and we will we were able to make something just way bigger than if it was just literally me in a corner but it uh, but we played off that idea where it became this show about it was supposed to be me losing my mind at this abandoned skate camp mm-hmm. and, uh, and through doing that we started we it kind of i mean i we did two seasons of that and it was with thrasher so it came out yeah. on, on the thrasher side it on was kind of like saturday a saturday mornings. morning cartoon vibe totally yeah. yeah and it was it was super fun but it uh i feel like by the second season we kind of figured out what we were doing as far as like storytelling we're like oh we need to make actual episodes and not just have it be like a variety show type of vibe so did you write direct and stuff like, we, we would sit, yeah, we wrote our episodes together. Or Mike and together. you together would kind of... Yeah, and, and I mean, he's a videographer, so he was kinda, he was directing, shooting, and editing the whole thing. And you would kind of write the story, like, fi- think about, like, okay, here's what we're going to do, and then he'd be like, okay, here's how I'm going to shoot it. Totally, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and then we would sit down, and we were doing it weekly, and we were not... It's not like we would shoot a whole season. It was like, literally, we're On making one every week, so it's like... Fuck, We stressful. would be finishing it, you know, he'd be editing it Friday night, it would go up Saturday morning... <sighs> We'd meet up Monday and be like, all right, next episode, like, what is, like, we got to figure this out. And uh, I think we, maybe we missed one deadline, but it, we were, we were pulling it off and it was uh, pretty it, fast and furious. It feeds the fire though, right? I mean, it's a, sh- it, in one regard, it sucks to work like that because it's so stressful because you have to get it done. Uh-huh. But in the other regard, you're like, I'm in the moment. 
I'm vibing off these people's reactions to what we just did. So now I know what I want to do the next totally. one to build totally. on it. And let's do it yeah, yeah. instead of like this waiting process or whatever. Yep. Or like we did like 10 episodes before they even aired. For sure. And we don't know what people's reactions are going to be. Oh, fuck. We should have went left instead of right. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. And I mean, on my end, it's like I'd, I'd been making a lot of stuff. The Adidas thing was probably the first moment where people are like, oh, that's that's that guy mm-hmm. you know like that's what he looks like or that's him and then with the uh, the internet shack thing it was like by default i had to be this it was my show it was like i had to be the dude in front of the camera starring in the show and i was like this is so made it's like terrifying you know yeah. i was like and i wanted to we both wanted to make something that was polarizing it was like if we're going to make a show i want people to hate it as well <laughs> as love it you know like i don't want to just put some bland Right. thing out it was like i want to make something really weird that people are not going to like yeah and like you know and it's it's like really it was really polarizing and and like i had to just pull back from from like the comment reading you know because there are people oh, who are just sort of like fuck, yeah. this is the worst shit ever and to read you know it's like you spend Absolutely. a lot of time and energy and then to be like oh but i mean at the same time it's kind of good like i didn't want everyone to i didn't want everyone to be like eh, pretty cool and yeah. There were people who were like, to this day, are diehard fans. Antonius Dincho, my good friend oh, yeah, Toad. Yeah. Yep. He loved it. it, and it I mean, I feel like the, you know, not saying Toad's a weirdo. He's weird like us. Um, yeah. It, it resonated with like the weird skate kids, you know, the art kids. And there are kids to this day that are just like, it gave them inspiration to make their weird thing. You yeah. They're just like, dude, I was 12. I watched the Internet Shack every Saturday and like, now I'm an art director. You know, it's like it inspired kids to be like, oh, you can just, you can be a weirdo and make weird stuff within skateboarding that like, Absolutely. it had almost nothing to do with skateboarding, but it was a, it was a show on the Thrasher side. So it's like, it's a skate show, but. Yeah. I mean, skate TV was kind of like that on uh, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon with Skate Master Tate. Yeah. Where yeah. it was like every weekend you're like style master of the week who's yes. it gonna be and they had a little pool skating but there was like dialogue and it wasn't just skate 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 right, right? right and that thing like to put it in perspective with the saturday cartoons it was just this thing that like it was kind of like on the weekends we're all kind of trying to relax uh-huh. but this is our still in touch with what we're about yeah and um, I always appreciate it. Toad and I always would uh, compare notes. Awesome. It was like after watching your favorite show, you call the guy and go, remember that one part? What was it? Awesome. Yeah. Even when we were doing that, it's sort of like, if you're going to gauge if something's doing well on the internet, like what, you know, what are your metrics? It's like, how many views does it get? How many likes does yeah. it get? You know? And so it's like, I by no it. means was it a runaway hit, you right. know? but it's to this day, kids quote it to me like oh. a lot you know like through instagram dms or sure. just like kids email me who are just like brad's such a seahole you know it's like yeah there are these catchphrases that kids latched onto, uh-huh. and it's like you know a video of a guy sacking his genitals on a rail is gonna get a million views say but right. does anyone remember you know 10 years later you're like oh i really remember that guy falling down you know it's like the popularity contest is weird in that yeah. you can make you can make stuff for a smaller audience cult that like classic. really resonates. Oh, <laughs> classic! Cult there we go. Classic. Well, did 
did that kind of blow up the old short bus or was he already kind of a fixed figure in your community like for i mean in austin yeah he's like a, a he legendary dude already before this yeah absolutely oh okay i mean i met him when he was a kid there was a indoor skate park skate park of austin and he was just one of those kids that was like got on a board and ripped you okay know? like he was just a very gifted skateboarder from a very young age all right and uh yeah just grew into be this this very strange lovely man that yeah. we all love oh yeah and then uh we can't go further without talking about the uh guy that came out of his shell a star is born mr rye barris rye barris yeah he was like i mean rye could not even throw a word you'd see him he'd be so shy yeah and now he's like he's our guy he's our guy he's my co-worker he, he's now. doing it yeah I, I mean he was a literally a child and i hit up his mom and was like we're making this weird show for thrasher it's supposed to be at this uh, abandoned skate camp. And I was like, I need a camera guy. Like, a, I need a child actor for this show. And I, I knew the Bears family. I'd known, I skated with Rainey when he was, you know, rise age from that show. Like, I'd skated oh. with him since he was little. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I knew uh, Reagan. I knew Rye's mom. And I was like, what do you think about Rye being on this show? You know, is that weird? I don't want to weird you out. And she's like, that sounds cool. I think he'd be into it. And she asked him and he was like, I want to be on a Thrasher show. And yeah, if you watch those old episodes, I mean, he's... He's a little kid, and oh, it's, yeah. uh, it was awesome. And, that, I mean, that's how I got to know him. And okay. I'm just like, we've kept in touch ever since. Sure. Yeah, so then Bo Thrasher decides to do um, an event at South by Southwest called Deathmatch. And the first one, Jake Jordan and I went down and kind of, I think Sipnewski put it all together. Uh-huh. And we met up with Craig and... Uh, john gibson and crumb and we had it at the scoot in but it was pretty tame i would say as Mm -hmm. far as like we don't know what we're doing we're just coming down here and gonna do it and it went off yeah and the next thing you know we're doing kind of an annual at the south by southwest and rye would come out and shoot photos of the dudes that were there go home print a zine and have it ready before the last day of the event so red and uh that's how i got to know him i mean rainy obviously stood out as the champion of the ramp right right. and then his little brother's like kind of this quiet kid that's feeding everybody with like see my zine yeah yeah. i mean 12 years old making his own zine amazing i remember kenny anderson just going this kid rules for sure yeah you know and then he went on to to uh he he had his youtube channel you know and it was just like him and his friends at the skate, like not even a great skate park, but it's like he was capturing the vibe of like, you can do this anywhere. You know, like you don't have to be in some hotbed of skating to to like document your scene. You know, like you just have to have the willingness to to do it. And any place can be fun. Get yeah. your friends, you know. Okay. The old pug wizard. Uh-huh. He texted in with some questions. Oh, already. Okay. Yeah. He, he wants to know if you're still a fan of Jim Henson. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. That I mean, yeah, I think early on, like Dr. Seuss, Jim Henson, uh, Shel Silverstein, those are like things that kids I think are continue to be inspired by. Yeah. Um, who's the most Roger dude not on Roger? Oh, geez, probably Pug Wizard. Really? <laughs> I think he gets free boards. Though. I don't know if that counts. Uh, shout the, out to the him most and Roger Stevie. dude. I mean, shout uh, out. I don't know, Nate Broussard. Nate Broussard. 
He's he's I would say he's a very Roger dude mm. as far as what I what I like about uh, skateboarding. Tell us about the Sea Fan Ditch and Alexandria Ditch. Okay, Sea uh, Fan Ditch is a uh, drainage ditch between San Marcos and Austin off the feeder road of I thirty five. That I've probably sp- I've probably spent more hours there than any other ditch. That's the in one the area. And as a kid, my dad would drive me there. I remember. My dad's sitting in our car reading a book while my friends and I skated that ditch. It late, many years later, in the same car, I pulled the uh, 87 Chevy Cavalier up to the edge of the ditch and rolled in off the hood of my car with no one. I think back on that, I was like, no one there, no no phones, no cameras, just like rolling in off the car. Yeah. Just for, uh, for that feeling of doing it. And Alexandria Ditch is a ditch in South Austin, super close to my house. But I used to skate there four times a week probably that my buddy Mike Ajo and I that we would meet up after work grab a six-pack hang out talk about our days is that the one that's kind of like a small little uh quarter pipe to a curb thing no this uh Alexandria ditch people call it Y ditch it's pretty long pretty wide it splits Uh, it's got some hips in it some parking blocks have been there for 20 something years is what is there one called like five something five hips five hips yeah that's the one that has like a little full pipe that there's a low card totally. cover. Okay. yeah yeah i want to do an epic spots about that one but that when sick. i moved to austin it should be called burpee ditch i'll put that on the record john burpee had found that ditch and uh it was super overgrown. I mean, there are like trees growing into it and brush. And yeah. he one morning we got breakfast tacos and he's like, I'm going to show you guys this ditch. And we walked down there and it was like, you could barely see the ditch. There's so much shit in it. And he's <laughs> like, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to, I'm going to clean all this stuff out and we're going to skate it. And it was like, dude, there's like, how are you going to do that? Like there was just so much shit in there, but I didn't really know John Burpee that well, but he got the crew together and like, you know, like chainsaws and shovels and uh yeah within months it was like that was the spot it was like oh you you're you weren't fucking around like we got we got this crazy new ditch with five hips in it damn yeah that's the one when i went to austin for the first time we went to that ditch for sure do you remember were you there when we came out yeah you were there right for the chili bowl yeah yeah totally yeah i think that's when i met when i met toad oh okay really yeah yeah, that was such a good time. We all talk about that as one of the better times that we've ever had. Just that was like heat stroke, man. People yeah. were like throwing Gordon up. Eckler had like, a, a, a heat something. He, too, it was like, yeah. well, I mean, what, what month was that? August or something? Probably. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? Just like, we don't know. Like parking lot hot chili in Texas yeah. in the summer. I was like all right, where are you guys from? Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do this. Young and dumb. <laughs> just like, ah. They gave us that's, the permit in August. Yeah, we got to do like, it then. It's like some no- November action. Yeah. Uh, we talked the other day. You've never been to the um, chicken shit bingo? No, not yet. Oh, my God. You got to go. Billy's, right? Yeah, Cheryl Billy's and I it. just went there when we were just in Austin. We missed you, actually. But we were looking at fun things to do in mm-hmm. the area, and that came up. So we went, and it was it was a blast. I've seen footage. I've just never, I don't never dip my toes in there for some reason. So the whole floor is a, is numbers, and then wherever the chicken shit uh-huh. is the winning number. Yep. So you buy numbers beforehand, and so everyone's around this cage just going 43, 60, whatever your number is. But then other people are betting that he's going to shit like over under on timing. Okay. Like, 
over two minutes for five bucks. Like people are just yelling shit out and people are like, I got five. Like it's, it's so cool. It was like, I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. Um, what other kind of stuff is kind of unique? I mean, the swimming holes and the, you guys are definitely known for that. Is yeah, it, yeah. And the music scene's epic. Yep. Um, what other kind of, st- uh, the barbecue? Barbecue. Yeah. Tex-Mex. I mean, Austin for sure is like a real foodie kind of town. So Definitely. Good food. Um, it's I kind mean, it's, of a college town. Yeah, with you. I mean, UT is huge, so yeah. it's like it's definitely like a younger population of the city. Um, we're kind of. It's like I'm not going to get like grouchy about it, but the city's <laughs> just changed in the same way that San Francisco's changing and like Portland's changing and Seattle's changing. Like it's yeah. just in the last five years, it's parts of town are totally unrecognizable. So it's kind of like getting whitewashed a little bit. It's like. The things that made it cool, you know, this like sleepy college town with yeah. you know, all this like cool dive bars, whatever. It's like being replaced by condos and high-end boutiques. And I'm not going to say if it's good or bad. It's just the city's changing. Well, here's the question is, so if every city is going through that, mm-hmm. where did the cool go? I don't know. You know, like if the cool from San Francisco went to Portland, but then Portland's cool mitt disappeared. Yeah. Where's the cool? Nashville, another country. Is Could Nashville be. still sick? I've heard it. Is. I heard I you know. can't see the Grand Ole Opry from fucking uh, Elvis's house anymore. Maybe it's not cool. Maybe there is no cool. Maybe we're too old for cool. Yeah, might have to get a, a eight. You have to get Rye in here. Or, I can tell you where the cool is. Or right no, now. cool is different now. Could be that. Yeah, the Uniwheel is actually cool, and we were wrong. I think yeah. Maybe we should start vaping. I wonder if Louis Elliott would ever endorse the Uniwheel. I don't think so. Louie would know what's cool, though. <laughs> yeah. It's like we need to get someone who's young and cool to answer that question. Nah. What was the difference between uh, living in a skate house versus being the family man? And does it affect how you feel about skating? What is the difference between those things? Yeah, like for you, when you were living like in a skate house environment, and then now you're, you know, more established family man. Yeah, the... Um like, do you still, do you look at skateboarding the same, do you think? I think I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are way less dirty dishes in the kitchen. <laughs> um, there's less dirty clothes all over the place. The couch doesn't smell like bong water. Um, there are a lot of differences, but uh, I, I mean, I don't think my vision of skateboarding has necessarily changed. I think having never left Austin, what I continue to like about skateboarding is literally just skateboarding with my friends. Okay. And obviously... You know, I work for Thrasher and I'm plugged into this bigger skateboard industry. So I'm aware of all the other things going on. But as yeah. far as like what, you know, what where my joy comes from, yeah. it's still that. It's like skating at House Park. And like just the other day I was down there in the morning and an old roommate of mine from the 90s showed up who I hadn't skated with in 15 years probably. This guy Richard Richards, who is known yeah. as Dix. Sick. But, uh, yeah, I just showed up at the skate park. It's like, holy shit, Dix is here. You know, and it was like we skated together like we did 15 years ago or maybe more than that. But it was like, that's to me, that's like, that rules. that's the joy. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. And as far as like working for the mag, it's like, I I mean, I love writing and like to have the opportunity to to write about skateboarding for Thrasher. It's like, that's, you know, that it's not lost on me that that's a huge like honor to be able to do that. And it's, you know, everyone's got to have a job and like for this to be my job, it's, I don't know. It's for sure a blessing. That's what I tell the kids. It's the pinnacle. Like, don't worry about your portfolio anymore. Uh-huh. Where are you going to go from here? Right, you're right. here. Yep. 
Uh, what do you think? Social media, good, bad, or ugly? Uh, I think it's just a reality, but I think it's like whether you uh, let it consume you or not. As far as like being an artist or trying to promote stuff, I don't know if you can do it without social media. I don't know how else you promote events. You know, I don't know how you get eyes on something other than using social media as far as if you're like, I'm doing an art show or I, you know, a book release. My band is playing. It's like, do you put, where else do you put it? You yeah. Know? How do you let people know? But it seems like cheating, kind of like for for people like us that grew up in a different time, like advertisement wise. Like, why wouldn't you use Instagram? Like, right, it's right. So reaches. Yeah, it's super addictive, you know. So like, I yeah. just try to I try to limit the time. Any time I spend looking at an app like that is time not spent doing what I like to do or what you know. It's like me contributing to the planet or the earth you know it's like i could be drawing i could be writing something i could be talking to a friend i could be hanging out with my kids it's like sure. time spent staring at my phone it's like what do i get out of that you know yeah does it bring me it's joy weird. no it just eats up some time it does something to your endorphins i think it does something it's absolutely a, it's a weird thing yeah because habitually you're just grabbing for your phone and sometimes when i look at it i'm like wait what am I even looking for right now? For sure. What am I doing? Yeah. Have you had any nicknames through your life? Um, sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bone. Sea bone. Lazy legs. Dude, sea bone <laughs> and ham bone. I like this. The bones. We'll get the we, bones together yeah, tonight you at got, the Sodi party. You got to go out on the cruise next year. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> Flogging Bali. I'll go see Pennywise. Sea bone and ham bone. <laughs> How about this one? I got this one. Did you see Ben... Sanchez's part in uh chocolate video? Yeah. You didn't see what I did there, did you? C Ben. <laughs> ha, I like it. <laughs> yeah, luckily so my last name sounds like uh Seben, which is very close to semen. Oh. But, but luckily by the time kids knew what semen was, we were too old, too to, old to, to put that on you. Clown each other about nicknames like, uh -huh. "What are you, 8? You're making fun of my last name?" Does anyone call you like Sibin or like Sure, yeah. Yeah, so it looks like Sibin, yeah. but it's uh German for 7. And then we talked a little bit about it, but basically the internet saved, well, let's not say saved, but uh prevented you from needing to come to california it kind of kept you in texas because yeah, yeah. you enjoyed texas so you stayed there voluntarily but otherwise to be a part of all this you might have had to move out here yeah yeah i moved to austin in 96 to finish my um i have a fine arts degree from the university of texas but my plan was go there finish my degree and then move either to here or la i just thought like if i want to be in skateboarding i need to be in one of those cities and was in Austin, graduated in 99, and by that time, one, I had just fallen in love with the city and had a lot of friends and had a girlfriend, and uh, it was cheap to live there. And But at the same time, the internet was, you know, becoming a thing where I was like, oh, if I, I could just build a website and promote my art, and I can be in contact with companies from all over without leaving here. And it, it also just seemed like after I was there for a few years, it, was, it seemed disingenuine to moved to San Francisco where the art scene here in the late nineties was amazing, you know, with mm -hmm. like the mission school and Barry McGee was Twist. here, you know, there was, it was like, it was very inspiring to me, but I was like, you know, I'm not from there. I don't, I don't know any of those people. And to try to just insert myself into an existing scene seemed like not the cool thing to do. So yeah. it was more like, well, why don't we like my friends and I make art? Why don't we just like promote our scene? Like, 
let's open a gallery here. Like, let's try to, you know, let's try to put Austin on the map. Let's yeah. make this a cool place, you know? Uh-huh. Awesome. And it was in, I mean, it seemed like in those, for sure, like in the, in the 90s, it seemed like skate companies would do tours to Texas. They would hit San Antonio and Dallas and Houston. And they, like, Austin wasn't, it wasn't a real destination at that time. Right. And it seems like now it it is the destination. Like, that's where you go to Austin and then you take day trips. You know, you'll go to Houston, you'll go to San Antonio. Yeah. But over time, and that's not only because, like, me and my friends, but it's just the secret got out. You know, I was like, oh, this is, like, well, this is the spot, South you know? by Southwest kind of For sure, and, like, the, map, you know, right? Deathmatch. It's like now people are like, oh, dude, there's tons of spots there. <sighs> And there's like it's a chill, you know it's a like yeah. cool vibe and there's like good but, food and it's it's small you know like it's a pretty compact city so uh-huh. you can get to where you're going quickly versus you know Dallas and Houston are massive so it's so like big. you're gonna be in the van a lot versus yeah. just like let's get us let's go hit up No Comply the yeah. skate skate house park and then we'll yeah. like go on some little you know ten minutes to the spot like let's we can hit a bunch of spots in a day sure you got a favorite barbecue spot. Um, I really like Valentina's. Valentina's? Yeah. Is that it's in It's kind of like, no, it's it's down south, but it's kind of uh, like Tex-Mex barbecue. Uh-huh. But it's it's good. I've never had Franklin. That's the big one. Is that the big it's one? It's like a couple hours. you got to wait in line for a couple hours. I've heard it's amazing, but I don't have two hours of free time to yeah. wait in a line. I thought Salt Lake was the big one. Salt Lake is great. It's Yeah, it's outside of town in Driftwood, Texas. We That's, went there well, last trip. I got married there. Yes. My wife and I got married. They have a... Uh, a uh like events center right next door like a pavilion area uh-huh and yeah we got married there got it catered by the salt lake i was tripping on that place so hard because it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere you got to drive like i think it's about an hour out of town or something to get there maybe it's shorter but for us out of towners it took a while uh-huh. you get there and it's cash only uh-huh. and i'm like dude this is straight out of a western movie where some dude's <laughs> gonna come up and rob this fucking place and who's gonna stop him <laughs> Uh, they probably have a lot of guns there. They're oh, gonna stop them, right? When right. I mean, you're in Texas, oh, you know. That's right. You don't you don't fuck around. There's yeah. the amounts. I don't I don't personally uh, I don't have guns, but a lot a of lot people of do. People, that's true. Wow. Okay. Fuck. Everyone's yeah, because well it was. Armed. I mean, that place turns over loads of people. It's crazy how busy it is. Yeah. Delish too. That's I was good, stoked. Man. It was a really good experience. It's, it's it's that. It's too. It's like you get to kind of drive out into the hill country a little bit it's very scenic and uh you know Mm -hmm. get some good good barbecue some of uh my listeners not all of them are semi-illiterate not the smartest people that's kind of why they tune in i think but uh is that fair to your listeners to pin them as nothing's fair (laughs) (laughs) but do we got any tips on writing and uh has proof editing increased your vocabulary um, I, since taking the managing editor position uh-huh. for sure. And I think I was, I mean, tips are like read a lot and write mm-hmm. a lot, you know, but when, when I took the position, I interviewed with Tony in Austin during South by Southwest, we sat down and talked about it and I was totally unqualified for the position, which I didn't really know, but you know, it was sort of like, you're the managing editor, you're going to manage the, the staff and our contributors and you're going to like, you know, get all this, you're going to get all the assets together, hand it off to the art department. And very quickly I realized like, I don't have a background in writing. I write a lot, but I have no formal education. I went to college, but it's like, I don't have a journalism degree. 
right. I have an English degree. And very quickly, I was like, oh, shit, I need to take some grammar classes, like weekend grammar classes to brush up on this stuff. Because I hadn't thought about it. And, you, you know, I would write, but it was like, I don't know if I'm using a semicolon correctly. I don't know if... Uh, did you do that? I did, yes. Yeah, so oh. I had to take some grammar. And I bought books, you know, I bought like grammar books and read up on uh, how to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think... and What and, kind of and, reader were you, like... Do you re- find yourself reading a lot? Or? Yeah, just a lot of fiction. You uh, do, you've fiction. always read a lot? Not always. I think in, in college, uh, I th- I'm trying to think of like, like read like a Tim Robbins book or something. Uh, uh, is that his name? Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins. Read some fiction that, uh, yeah. that uh, kind of opened the gates of like weirder stuff. Right, like uh, The Road Less Travel, or no, it's something about a highway and there's uh, stuff on the side. I forget what it is. Uh, roadside Attractions. Yeah, I think that was the one. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so I mean, I read most nights before going to bed. Just like, that's kind of how I wind down. Do you read from a book or do you read off like electronic Kindle? Or? I have a Kindle. Kindle. I begrudgingly enter the digital age. I thought I would hate it, but it. Uh, I mostly read in bed and it's nice not to have to flip and pages. I got to be honest with you. I'm getting old. Uh-huh. As you can see, I'm wearing glasses. That increased font size on the Kindle is a it's a game changer. I agree. I agree. I think like and for a guy that's not that good at reading, like I like to call my fans literate or whatever, <laughs> but I'm I'm right there with you, bros. It's kind of refreshing to turn pages quicker. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. you increase the font, there's not as many words, and you're flipping and you're through tap, and you're tap, like, tap, tap. I'm not getting anywhere, but it seems like I Yeah, am. yeah. <laughs> I read 50 pages. I love the Kindle. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. What? You bring 20 books to Hawaii with you on yeah. one small device? What's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think my wife got one for me. You know, this was years ago, but she was like, I'm going to get a Kindle for you for Christmas. And I was just like, I don't want to read on that thing. I like paper. Mm-hmm. I want to read books. And. Read one, read one book on the Kindle was like, yeah, I'm converted. Yeah. I'm, I I'm do there. miss, like, for some reason, a book and, like, vinyl and, and VHS tape, like, the authenticness of, like, the trophy of it. Mm-hmm. Like, this on my bookshelf. Right, right. I've always been, and I'm learning from Marie Cotto, you don't need those anymore. Once you're done reading okay. them, get rid of them. But I've... I've always been a collector, I think. And like those kind of things are like, I love that book. Yeah, so yeah. I may never read it again, but looking at it brings me joy. Absolutely. So I, that's where it's tough with the Kindle. And I, yeah, I mean, I think there's this ethos of like, things don't make you happy. But I'm a very visual person. I'm with, I'm with you on that. It's like, I like, I like having uh, mementos of my life. Absolutely. I like having the old skate decks around. I like the t-shirt collection. I like my yeah. vinyl collection. I like yeah. my old skate videos. And Right. Whether I don't I don't have a VHS player anymore, but I've got. Do you uh, have VHS tapes? I've got tapes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got <laughs> I got the old FTC video. I don't want to get. I don't. You know, if I get rid of it, I'm not going to find Shout it. Shout out to like, Mesa for that one. I yeah. love that thing. Shout out. With Rocky and Daniel passing, who can we learn lean on for keeping Austin music in check? Like those guys were so fucking iconic and epic for the things they did. It was crazy. Daniel died like right after we went to yeah, Austin. Yeah. And I, I bought his collab shirt he made for Vans for No With Comply. No Comply, yep. And I was like, no, this is so sick. I bought it and I swear to God, a week or two at the most, he passed. Right. Just for the record, I got it before, dude. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> well, we had just bought, uh, we did an art show at the Volcom Space with Daniel Johnson, this artist, Jeff Wheeler, who's a collaborator of his. And we, there were probably a dozen original drawings of Daniel's there. 
I'd always wanted a piece of his art and uh my wife was like we should we should get one of his drawings right and I was like I'm so glad you said that because I've I think we should we have a way too much art at our house like we I've owned two different galleries in town and uh-huh. just bought art for Rad. 15 years so it's like I don't need, I didn't necessarily need another piece of art but it was like I'm glad we we bought a piece of his from that show and nice. then a couple months later he passed away okay. but as far as who's going to keep Austin weird I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I think maybe the weird and the cool are uh, maybe evaporating. There, I'm uh, sure there's there's a let, let's say uh, my friend Alex Weedboner and his band dress up. Okay. They'll keep it weird for us. Yes. I think he's currently living in Australia. But do they got music recorded? They've been in Thrasher. They've been in Zounds. They had an interview. So what else is going on with Roger? Is uh, anything in the works for a video or anything we should know about? Yeah, we just turned Max Taylor and Ryan Thompson Pro had a uh, surprise party at No Comply. It was up on the Thrasher site. Yeah. And we're uh, clearing two songs for usage because we have a video part coming out. So Ooh. I'm going to look at the calendar today and see when we can get that up there. Let's but that in. Yeah, they, uh, they have their video component to validate our decision to put their names on some skateboards. Mm, that rules. Which it's an, it's an interesting time in skating. Burnett and I were talking about this, how it's like with social media and just like the landscape's so different now that it's it's possible to have these little microcosms of skateboarding. You know, like right. those guys are pro in Austin, Texas, which but everyone can see their footage. You know, yeah. it's like you don't have to be in a specific location anymore for people to see what you're doing, which is really, it's interesting, you know? Sure. Like montreal who would have thought that that would be like a mecca for skateboarding you know 10 years ago would you i wouldn't have thought that but it's like oh montreal is like the shit you know like a lot of eyes on yeah on montreal and just europe in general it's like it's pretty uh it's pretty awesome uh waves waves sure like uh barcelona for a while then china like oh marble everywhere like people just start gravitating and once somebody sees something's Okay, we got to go. Well, even, I mean, if you think of like, it wasn't necessarily like the China skate scene. It was like China no. as a location. Yes, but if you're facts. like, currently, if it's like Montreal as a scene, you know, like those dudes yeah. like with Dime and like, it, I just think it's it's like really interesting to, for it to become, it's always been global, but it's like more so now in that you're like excited about little pockets all over the world and kids can be like, oh, I'm not really into this region, but what's going on in Arizona is sick yeah. as fuck. You know, it's, it's really, I think it's cool that little, uh, like communities can get shine no matter where they are. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't know how everybody eats all this food, man. There's a lot to digest out For there. sure. Yeah. You can I mean, it's like, there's no way to digest the content. There's too much to see it all. So right. it's, it's, uh, but everybody wants more. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, I want less personally. It's <laughs> like, I want to, but I mean, we're from a different generation where it was yeah. like, we had to wait for content. I know there's no waiting anymore. I and know. it's, um, it's not better or worse. It's just different, but it's, it's really like, I don't know. I, I, uh, I pull back from it. It's like, yeah. I want to, it's, I want to see the things that are more crafted, you know? So when someone puts a part out on Thrasher and it's like, oh, like this is like a videographer and, you know, like it's like right. these guys have like worked on a project. They had a, yeah. they had a goal and uh, versus just like, this is what I did every single day at the skate park. You yeah. know, I'm like, well, I'm, I mean, not, I'm not saying it's not good, but I don't necessarily need to watch it. Yeah, true. I see that. 
Where do you think like the humor comes from? How have you had like the humorous influence and like your look on life kind of has been always like to take the piss out of things sometimes and whatnot? Um, I, th- I mean, I think some of it's just like a little bit reactionary. I had like a pretty rough childhood. My, uh, my mom passed away when I was 15 and my only brother passed away when I was 17. So oh. I was like really heavy. My mom had cancer most of my childhood. Wow. So it's like almost like fucking having to make a decision. Like, does this consume me or do I fucking look, you know, it's just like, there's good shit out there too. And right. like, I mean, a lot of my art too, it's like this, like right in the line, like uh, smile forever, a painting I did. That's like very synonymous with my work. It's like a monster with a bro. He's, you know, fucked up broken arm, but it's like, fuck it, man. We all have like, everyone's yeah. got the, you know, you like talk to someone long enough. You're like, everyone's got the backstory of like, Oh dude, that's heavy. You know? Yeah. And it's like, what do you do with that? You know, it's like you go out and for me, the answer was like finding the humor in the world, you know, and just looking at things and being like, what's funny about this? Like, how do I, how do I put a smile on my face? And it's, uh, yeah, I mean that I just, every day I just try to look for the fun, you know, it could be anything. It could be, you look for the beauty in life, you know, and there's beauty and sadness, but it's like, for me, I just try to like live my life just laughing at shit, whether it sucks or not. It's just like, Fuck it, man. We're uh, you only got so much time here. Like, dwell in the darkness or or uh, look for the look for the humor. Yeah, I'm right next to you. A lot of times, I get accused of never taking anything serious. Like, dude, can you just be serious for once? Uh-huh. And to a fault, I've tried to find humor and everything for that exact same reason. Yeah, yeah. What is like an art piece that I should, if I'm going out there? What's one that you have that you would grab first in a fire or something like, or recommend to a friend? Like, this is a classic epic thing. Like, of my own work? No, or not just necessarily. Art in yeah, more in general. I think like it's hard to talk about yourself sometimes, but like if you're like a collector of rad stuff, I'll have. And I mean, literally, if we're talking, I'm in my house, house catches on fire. Yeah. Get the dog and the kids and the wife out. Uh, right. I was just telling this story the other day. So. I had an art gallery with my friends and my wife in Austin, early 2000s. We did an art show called the Heavy Metal Album Cover Show, where we made the place look like a fake record store. But we got 100 blank album covers and sent them out to artists with the instructions like, pretend you have a heavy metal band. What is your, what's the name of your band and what does your album cover look like? Uh-huh. And uh, I think we ha- ended up with like over 100 album covers, but someone had Shepard Fairey's contact info. I don't, I don't even know who it was, but he was like, I'll do an album cover. And so he sent us an original painting on an old album cover. And I think it was 200 bucks. And I was like, I'm, I'm buying that now. Like, here's my 200 bucks. Right. And, uh, that's what I would grab my shepherd fairy piece. Should we edit out that part where you say how much it's worth? Because you might get your house broken into. Let's edit that out. Let's edit that out. Let's edit that because out. That's a lot of money. He said, <laughs> he, he said, said it was worth boop. more um, money than I paid for it. Who do you think would be realistic for me to ask to uh, do a graphic? I just got one with uh, Todd Bratchrude. Right. And uh, and I'm supposed to do one, and right? And maybe you'll do one. That'd be fucking I will do awesome. One. It's uh, on the to-do list. My never-ending to-do list. I was thinking... Uh, this may be t- stepping over the wrong state line, but uh, 
I was thinking it might be sick to get Elias involved uh-huh. and do something kind of cool for the shop where they're the only shop you can get it through. Sure. And then on the on my website or yeah. something. I bet you he'd know. be into it. And we could do a collab even or like we can throw out ideas. I would I would be honored f- to do anything. I love you guys and I love the hospitality I've always gotten in Austin. So when I think of stuff like I always tell Elias, like, dude, I'm so down. Like, if you're doing anything, let me know. We'll yeah, promote yeah. it, like, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Who are some other guys that might be, you think, like, I think, I don't know if Todd Francis is too big now. You or gotta like ask Jeremy Fish tonight at the Sodi party. Jeremy, you're a hometown hero. Jeremy said he's he'll do it like you probably when it he will, has time. It, when it, it's just going <laughs> to come across your desk. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I have a a great idea for jeremy yeah i like, know he would do it i, I know, know what i want him to do if he ever had the time and bratcher did one yeah i was Don stoked on that pendleton would be rad travis Ooh, millard right oh yeah pendleton There's a couple yeah okay hit up uh, uh pusshead would be insane he still lives here right i know but it's just you know people are busy these days yeah. i've got a funny pusshead story a quick one okay sick. um I don't even know what trade show this was at, but I was there. I think it was right when Bueno started. Yep. So early 2000s. Thrasher had a booth, and I just started working for the mag. Okay. So I came over. You might have been there. I don't know. But I came came by to say what's up. I think Jake was there. Someone uh, might have been Dave. I don't know. Someone introduced me to Pusshead. They're like, Whoa. do you want to meet Pusshead? And I was <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, yes. They're like, hey, Brian, this is Michael. He does illustrations for the mag now. And uh I talked to him for a minute and I was just, just like, wow, man. So like really good to meet you. And he was like, it was good to meet you too, Mark. (laughs) 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 A lasting impression on my childhood hero, Mark Steven signing out. (laughs) Damn it. Do you got like a favorite caption of all time or like a cover or part of Thrasher that like, if somebody asks you, like for me, I have this one where, uh, I think it was Dom Pierre and it was a contents page, I believe. And he's all in that gap that um, David Gonzalez ground the rail flat out. Right, right. And the caption, I'm going to botch it, but the caption is something to the effect of NorCal photographer with East Coast skater goes into your backyard. That's so good. And I just love that one. I mean, what, it's, I'm an, you know, I'm an art dude. Uh-huh. When I, uh, when I do, just like whenever I think of Thrasher, I think of that Gons. Do I look like a street skater cover? That's oh, right. what. But when I just think of the mag, that pops into my head. Sure. It was so, like even getting that in the mailbox was like, look at that. Like so out of nowhere to me. You know, it was like there's not even a skateboarder on the cover of Thrasher. But I love that. You know, it was like yeah. love Gons, love his art, and just to see that on it was like, oh yeah. There's no rules about what can go on the cover, right? Like yeah, you can put a Gons drawing on there. It's so sick. And it's just like even that sentiment to this day, it's like that just hold just like, do I? What? Like, yeah. Do I look cool enough? You know, I love that that will never go away. Just seeing the kids at the skate park who are like up on the new trends, you know, like, yeah. am I pulling it? Do I look like a street skater? What does a street skater look like today? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my fiance, we always have these skateboard discussions like before we go to bed at night. Like she is always curious. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she's asking me a lot of things. And one night I was like, look, this is probably hard to understand, but Mark Gonzalez is for sure the best. Uh-huh. Everybody else is battling for second, but there's no battle for the first. 
in, would, in skateboarding, Mark Gonzalez. Yeah. That's it. I mean, he did, yeah, just, he's done it all, right? Yeah. And he, he's, all, he's, and he's, he's just our, such a different charisma, different, like he's, everything about him is like him. Yeah. And he's done it his own way. Right. It's like, I don't know, there's no blueprint, you know, to be, uh, be involved in any of this, but it's like, yeah. he's for sure done it his way and is to this day, like so relevant, you know, it's like dudes come in and out of it and it's like. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, there was, it seemed like there was a period there where he he was intentionally probably kind of dipped out, but it was like everyone still talked about him. Like, yeah. I wonder what Mark's doing, Fuck. you know? And then coming back with like some of those parts for real, it was like, yeah, always his. You know, it's like he's in a video with whoever the most elite, you know, like twenty year old street skaters of the time are. But it's like everyone's talking about Mark's part. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I can mention this because this is going to air later. Tonight at the Skater of the Year party, pretty emotional for me. Um, there's an obvious person that's going to be missing, Jake. I, I miss him so much. And uh, I've been curious, like, how the fuck are we going to do this, right? right? The first Skater of the Year presentation ever. Um, well, no, Jake wasn't at the first one. But but it's hard to picture but him Jake not on is, stage, right? Right. And so who's going to give out that trophy? And... I think that we are nailing it with Mark Gonzalez coming out to do that. Um, That makes me feel proud. You know, Thrasher continues to make the right decision. And I'm I'm so stoked to be a part of this. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that's real cool. Um, What do we got for out of here? What song should we fucking throw on to take us away? Let's, um, let's close it out with summer here. Kids by granddaddy. Let's go.
Well, thanks so much. Um, it's great having you out here. Man, thanks, you don't make it out so here much. nearly enough, but like uh, once a year, yeah. I had to tackle you to get you in here. I'm stoked. I'm There's so much did. going on, and uh, for you to take the time out, I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Schmitty. Thanks, Thrasher. All right. Remember, there will always be a moon over Marin, and away we go. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.